This week on the reverse stick, quack quack, the Ducks are champions of Europe. Ben Summerford, media manager at Hockey Australia, takes us through Hockey One and who scored top spot in the reverse stick fantasy league. And welcome to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, co-host, John Lee, and the other host... Co-host is Matt Allen. How good, are you, Matt? Good, mate. Good, mate. Good to be here once again. The sun is shining. The weather is sweet. Makes me want to move my dancing feet. I'm sorry, I don't know where that just came from. Uh, welcome to episode 92 of the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Thank you for joining us, dear listener. Uh, lots to get through, haven't we, John? What, what have you been up to? Indeed. Much hockey? Did you get your eyes on much of the EHL? Or, First uh, two the or three days, not the final and the semi-finals, unfortunately. Yeah. Working stuff, but um, some great hockey. Yeah, we'll take you through some of that a bit later on in the show. What and and some of the on? women's too. I caught some of the women's competition, not just the men's, because there was ladies stuff going on as well across yeah, the weekend. Slightly lower profile, but from next year, some equal footing with the EHL mm. for both sexes. We didn't play, of course, because of the Easter weekend. Here. That's right. And what General I said Bob. last week, I was looking forward to a week not having to organise any teams. That was good, and I just totally replaced that. How's time the by garden by looking? Well, I got one day in the garden, <laughs> um, but it was some quite tempting sort of early start time. So it was it was nice to sit down and watch a bit of hockey at two thirty through um, mm, a bit yeah. later. Sort of 3.30 in the afternoon and um, crack one open. So, yeah, just a, a nice uh, hockey and hoppy filled uh, Easter period. Hoppy hockey. Yes. Maybe there might be. That's a new program. We'll get that underway very shortly. Hoppy hockey. News. Well, what have we got going on? Of course, we've well, got the EHR, but we'll talk a bit more about that yeah, later we'll on leave in the that show. For a little bit. A uh, couple of international results. There's some test matches going on or have gone on between uh, women from Namibia and Zambia in South Africa at Windhoek. That was the 20th to the 22nd of April. They played three games. They all went Namibia's way, 5-1 in the first game, 3-1 in the second, and a 6-1 victory in the third game there. Um, So, well, you know, not great results if you're Namibia. Or Zambia, sorry, but perhaps they are good results because they know where they stand and can have plenty to work with in the future. Yep, great that that, uh, there's some international hockey going on in that part of the world. Full stop. Right. Yes. Also, uh, test match between two test matches between uh, Japan and Korea. One of games already been played on the 20th of April. That was uh, a 2-1 victory to Japan. This is women's, of course, at Ibaraki. Uh, The next game's going on. Well. Tomorrow, as we speak here in Australia, it's uh, the 24th today, the Anzac Day. So they're having an Anzac Day test, Japan and Korea. I think I should leave that there, actually, because if there's a rivalry in (laughs) in sport, you'd imagine that Japan and Korea have a fairly fierce rivalry. Um, Let's see, what else is... Well, that's about it on the grander international scale. There's a couple of things coming up, though, Matt, that are... uh, pretty pressing. Well, this weekend, Hockey Series Finals in Kuala Lumpur gets underway. It does indeed. Uh, two pools playing there. Austria, Belarus, Canada in Wales in Pool A, and Pool B is Brazil, China. Italy and Malaysia teams are already turning up, and uh, they're posting photos on the social medias of, of their arrival. Well, in that Pool A, we've got Austria and Wales meeting. They, of course, are the two sides that went through from June last year in Zagreb in Croatia. 
um, other routes through for the other two teams, Belarus and Canada uh, in the group. Well, Canada go through as uh, through their, their ranking at the time of this system being put into place. It was at December last year. Um, and Belarus, how did they get through, John? Uh, they were appointed by the FIH as ranked 31 in the world. So they've got in uh, at the very, very last spot there. Uh, good luck to those teams. Now, in the other group, Brazil, oh, sorry, Brazil, yes. Brazil, China, Italy, and Malaysia. Now, Malaysia, direct route there because of their um, top nine, well, both ranked 13, um, those top nine sides outside of the Pro League qualifying there. Brazil uh, went through in second spot below Chile in Santiago back in September. Um, and Italy, well, they were runners-up to Poland in Niesno, um in August last year. Was there one other side to cover there? Oh, of course, China as well. But they uh, they qualify also through those uh, top nine rankings outside of the Pro League. Okay. Um, of course. What, what do you think is going to go on there? It's, uh, well, I hope the umpires get all of their decisions right because no one's going to have the ability to refer them, are they? No, they're not. But, Back to the old style, John. Back to the old style. We, oh, don't, we yeah. don't need video referrals. It's, uh, well, you don't need one. Let's face it, you don't to, to play a game of hockey, even at the international level. Umpire's decision stands. Yeah, and we should be able to accept that. Unfortunately, though, it doesn't make it a level playing field for everybody trying to qualify for the same tournament. No. Well, the, pro- the process after those those group games are played, that's uh, around Robin format, um, is that they're going to crossovers for the second and third place teams in the pools and the the first place teams in both pools go directly through to the semi-finals those teams then meet and then we've got a traditional final and uh, third place match happening uh when does that finish up john that's the final third, is uh, on, uh, 4th of may yep 4th of may uh kicks off on the 26th of april and it's uh austria versus belarus in the first match uh, Malaysia, that's at 2pm and game, four games on that day so the last game will be 8pm, that's local Malaysia time, which happens to be the same time and we're, we're yeah, on, so we'll be loving that uh, and those games will be live streamed, I believe, with the final as you mentioned, to be played on the 4th of May, 3rd and 4th and the 1v2 uh, those games will be on at 5.50pm, uh, interesting time and uh, 20.05 p.m. locally. And you'd think Canada, China, Malaysia be the, be the teams in the uh, in the mix there. Pick one of those to uh, finish top of the wazza. Yeah, anything can happen on the day. You just never know, especially in international hockey. Uh, that's why it's so disappointing that not all international matches are having video referrals because I would have thought that that's what happened at the top of the hockey world when you get to the international level playing international qualifying tournaments. Well, this is our first ever proper tournament since the Men's World Cup as well, isn't it? We've, we've had the home and away stuff. There's been international Probably. hockey happening. Yeah. Uh, but none of the uh, this traditional uh, well, as tournament Char, format. That's not really... Yeah, not the same with the, with, the, yeah. with the second and third place going into the crossovers to then mm. qualify. That seems to be the new route, doesn't it? But I'll be looking forward to seeing exactly what sort of tele- uh, streaming coverage we did because uh, from all reports, the Aslan Shah stuff was fantastic, but we didn't get to see much of it, if any. Um, well, you'd think that Astro Arena would be at the helm, um, so... We don't know. Is well, I don't know, but, you know, but mm. you'd think they would, and, and they, they produce some really good stuff. So look, looking forward to it. That's coming up in the next couple of days. And it should be available live on FIH Live, I believe. Is FIH that Live? You would yeah. hope so, John. I'm sure you, you're going to be geo-blocked in Malaysia, so don't go and see your auntie there. Okay, good idea. She's in Singapore. Is she? Yeah. Has she moved? No, she's oh. always been in Singapore. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
got anything more newsworthy uh, I don't before think so, we get on to the other newsworthy thing? Well, we've got this great conversation uh, with Ben Summerford from Hockey Australia, haven't we? We, we, we obviously we oh, quer- we've got we, to mention that. We, we did. We, we queried uh, some of the decisions on Hockey One last week in the show, and Ben got yeah. in touch and said, hang on, fellas, you haven't got it all right. So we asked him a few more questions as well. We did, but we'll get to him shortly. Yeah. You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Yes, we're still here. I thought that went on for a little bit longer, that little bit. Um, EHL, let's get through the EHL and... Uh, First up, the uh, KO 16s and finals well, we in sat, Eindhoven. We sat down recording last week uh, as Three Rock Rovers were taking the field. We didn't see the Bring Back Findo banners. We no, hoped to hashtag Bring Back Findo banners. Uh, they didn't make an appearance. I'm not saying that had anything to do with the, the results, but Three Rock Rovers were uh, losers on that first game, weren't they? They were indeed. They went down to uh, the Dragoons. The Dragoons. Dragoons. Uh, 2-4, 4-2. So uh, well done to the Dragoons, at least in that game. What did you make of the tournament? A fantastic tournament. Um, well, what did you? Yeah, what did you make of it? I, I was totally absorbed by it, except for the the late late game on the evenings, because that was just a bit too much of a stretch for me. But I was generally getting two or three games in in those earlier stages. Um, geez, I mean, there was a few blowouts in the in the opening rounds, and you know, there's um, teams like Grove, Mingus Hill. Uh, I think it was their first appearance there, wasn't it? And the, there's such a, a golfing class between some of these uh, semi-pro European sides from the Netherlands, from Belgium, from Germany, uh, that it's just got to be a pleasure for some of those smaller clubs to get the opportunity to play against teams of, of the magnitude that they had to come up against. So, yeah, there was a, a 12-1 win for uh, Amsterdam in the in the opening games to put Grove out. Yeah, now, of course, the teams that, that lost in that opening round then met up in ranking matches and they're all important ranking matches because they'll have a a bearing on the amount of spots for your nation in future EHL tournaments and so obviously the the more of your national teams uh, finish higher then the better chance there is of getting an extra side in next time it goes around there's some kind of convoluted point system to to do that we'd have to ask Stephen Findlater all about the machinations of that and obviously fantastic work by Findo throughout the tournament um, just relentless uh, we were getting goals posted 30 seconds after um, they'd been scored on social media um, virtually all of the games were getting a, a 15 uh, sorry a first quarter with well, it's 15 minutes um, preview on Facebook and then looking to get people over onto the Euro Hockey uh, TV.org site to, to watch the rest of the game uh, super work as well from the commentary team with um, uh, Nick Irvine and Simon Mason so the, the, the whole production and presentation was fantastic uh, there was a little bit said obviously about the uh, the issues with the, the long horn at the start of the tournament and Surbiton found themselves uh, uh, a little bit hard done by Going out in the uh, uh, in the well, yeah, in the in the shootout. Um, I can't remember the lad who's um, who was let's say put off by the the restart um, in their game against Watt Ducks. What is it about shot clocks that well, we have such trouble with as a sport? <laughs> it was too long, and then it was playing two or three times, and there was a malfunction. So they decided yeah. to. Do do away with the shot, not the shot clock. Do away do with the the horn. The horn. Yeah, yeah, it was um, interesting, but it's a tough one to get right, isn't it? Seems it, it seems to be a global issue. Maybe we should uh, uh, 
bring uh, no, hashtag bring back the horn start a new no, campaign no no, 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 no we don't need we've got to get the no. bully over the line first we have indeed uh, so just I will take you through the, the ranking matches John Three Rock went on to play Surbiton um, in the, the ranking game they went down 4-1 there it was a 7-1 win for Royal Leopold uh, from Belgium over Saint-Germain there was a few tears from Xavier Pions on uh, social media I spotted Orangi Rude 6-2 winners over Dinamo Kazan and Kampong 12-0 winners over Grove Mingus Hill um, yeah they'd be feeling a bit battered and bruised after leaving the tournament 24 goals against uh, one goal four but look uh, fantastic I'm sure for them to be there involved and then we get to the knockout eight the round of the shootout hey yes knockout eight Mannheim uh, had a draw with Ulheim Ullenhorst Mulheim. Ullenhorst Mulheim, yeah, okay. Uh, for all, that game ended in regular time, but Mannheim got over the top in a shootout 4-2. Then the Dragons took on the Waterloo Ducks. It was a one-all scoreline after full-time, and the Ducks getting in top on the shootout, winning that game 3-2. Don't you think it's incredible that uh, two Belgian teams drawn against each other, two German yeah. teams drawn, and then two Spanish teams drawn against each Higara other? Higara and Polo. And what did they do? They had a draw. Uh, three all that game, and then a three nil win to Polo in the shootout. Aaron just uh, going to be working on that for you, reckon, at the next training session, right, boys? We're doing shootouts. Um, well, maybe they were strategising in the back garden of the hotel on their their shootouts. They were, and in the last of the knockout eight games, Rottweiss Colne got over the top of Amsterdam in the shootout. It was two all at full time. They went for it in the shootout, six five eventually to Rottweiss. So uh, didn't well think it was ever going to end. No, it's just kept going and going. It was high tension, high tension stuff. It really, really was an incredible. It just shows the um, how close some of those those club sides are in quality, despite oh, the fact absolutely. you know they're from throughout Central Europe. And those draws continued into the first of the semi-finals. Waterloo Ducks took on Mannheimer. It was a one-all scoreline at full time into the shootout, and Waterloo Ducks picked up three goals. Uh, unfortunately, Mannheimer could only slot the one. In that particular shootout. Van Ash had a big tournament. He did indeed. The other semi-final, so that put the Waterloo Ducks through to the final. The second semi-final got back to some sort of normality. Rottweiss Colne got over the top of Polo in that game 3-1 in normal time of hockey after so many of the previous games had ended in a draw. So that left... Wasn't uh, wasn't that a bit fiery at times as well? uh, Jeez. Rottweiss Colne taking on Waterloo Ducks in the final and Mannheimer taking on Polo. And, uh, well, no Dutch teams there. So I see. Uh, you, what happened to the Dutch teams? No, well, fair play to the crowd. They still came out and supported when they weren't in the bar. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, they knew they were watching some absolute world-class hockey there. So why wouldn't you still go along and see it, even though there isn't your team or a local side uh, involved there? Do you reckon the next BE hockey is going to be about the demise of Dutch hockey? There is no. There's something about... No, I don't think it will be. No, uh, EarnststudioHockey.com, he's got a podcast that went out yesterday. Yeah. haven't got my ears on it yet, but it's uh, entitled Gotta Love the EHL, I believe, or something along those lines. Well, you so do check that this out. weekend. So let's get through those uh, finals games. The bronze medal match. Uh, Mannheimer versus Polo. Uh, it was a 3-1 victory to Mannheimer. 
Um, they were both both sides were looking pretty cooked um, in that game, but of course we were uh, delighted with that one drag flick from Gonzalo Gonzalo Payet. Um, now he scored a few goals in the tournament, but this one would have been his absolute best, and you could see the smile on his face as he turned around and sort of gave a little waggle of the finger, fingers. Um, top left couldn't be any more top left, you know, and it was absolutely travelling. So um, he'd be happy with that. They were very happy with the the win over Polo, ecstatic in fact to to win a bronze, and that was interested to show how much that meant to the, to that group because it's always hard to pick yourself up, isn't it, to go into yeah. the, that third fourth place uh, playoff. Um, and I've got to say, John Michael McCann was very happy. You you could share something in common. Your hairstyle is very similar at the moment. I just yeah, I think you could pass for a, a, a McCann imitator, um, <laughs> or, or maybe you know maybe in in a movie where a he's celebrity in, McCann. In, in, in a movie where he's ten years twenty years older. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, right. I'll play the old Michael McCann. <laughs> um, now the final Waterloo Ducks, um, a team defensive masterclass. Uh, they had everything and the kitchen sink thrown at them through the game. At times, they were down to nine players, uh, absolutely under the pump. Uh, they thrown the kitchen sinks. Well, <laughs> yeah, they, but how they came out four nil winners in the game. The, you know, the, there were late goals in there, but for anyone picking up that game at any time, you'd have thought that Rottweiss were going um, to to get the win, and. Uh, they just got frustrated and frustrated and frustrated and Waterloo Ducks just did enough to keep themselves in the game stay in the game and it, yeah, it wasn't a 4-0 result really but that's what it says in the, <laughs> on the scoreboard doesn't it um, yeah you know in, in, incredible goals from um, uh, Gislaine uh, who has put in Bockard got the, the, the corner near towards the end when the, the goalkeeper had been dragged and they took the keeper off fairly early in fact that happened twice in the game um, uh, Van Leer has scored the, the last with a, um, an open goal uh, yeah just uh, did they just wear him down and basically Manheimer Van Ash sorry Rottweiss Colin lost you know belief that they you know when are we going to get a goal because oh, oh, the longer you go dominating um without scoring a goal, in the back of your head you know that the closer you are to the opposition getting a goal. Yeah, they got in the back of the net once and that got turned over. Uh, um, Van yeah. Ash was superb. Uh, the other goal was Max Bertrand uh, and Gislaine, yeah, cracking tournament. He won the ABN Amro Talent of the EHL. Um, so well done to him. Super tournament. Only a little fella. He, he's a, oh, really? Yeah, he'd fall over in a strong breeze. Um, but... Uh, South Pass proclaiming him as the uh, the find of the tournament. Just mentioned ABN Amro. They've signed on for another three years in the sponsorship deal with EHR. Just got to give them full credit, John, for the, the presentation of the event. Um, the way they make uh, images of the event available for free to the media and to, even to people like us to um, to distribute and promote the competition Um and yeah, they just they they, they do it right, and uh, it's just a pity that the FOH didn't jump on board a little bit earlier uh, on social media to promote some of the things going on. You know, just it's, there's opportunities to to um, celebrate the game and uh, you know build all this traction on social media, and I just think it's an opportunity missed for the FIH. Fair enough. Um, fantastic performance from the Waterloo Ducks. That was the only game they played in the tournament that finished inside in normal time. Yes, yeah. All of the other games went to a shootout. Uh, 
and there was some conversation going on about oh the players had to play a game then they had to shoot I don't think that the shootout has anything to do with um, whether players will be more fatigued to play uh, it's no you know uh, maybe maybe mentally uh, but if you if that works both ways if you're winning those shootouts uh, then uh, the uh, the mental strength that's gained and uh, you know you're going to get a real buzz out of those wins and that gives you that momentum going into the next game and it gives you the momentum that if you get into a uh, a shootout you've got that belief that we just won the last one we just won the one before so we're going to yeah. go and we're, we're going to go and win win this one too well done Waterloo Ducks um, it is ducks isn't it that's like their symbol is a duck yeah it's all it's not like some word that means duck in it, you know, well, English it means no, no, in, know, in, champion in, cavalier. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, but in in Dutch, um, ducks is ducks. Oh, really? I don't know. <laughs> it is now. What about in French? There wasn't the. No, eight. it's not, is in, it? No. It's can can. Oh, I don't, don't know. know. I don't, I don't know. speak French. Oh, I do. Citron, baguette. Oh, très bien. Yeah, that's it. There was plenty of other Euro hockey going on. Some of it was in France, as it turns out. The Euro Club Cup was for women was played in Amsterdam. Uh, that was involving AH and BC Amsterdam, who finished on top there. They took out the final over Real Sociedad. Uh, finishing in third place was De Club and uh, Alster. Uh, Hertgenbosch were in fourth with UHC Hamburg fifth Surbiton finished sixth Loretto seventh and GHC Rittem Grodno in eighth position there but the, even uh, positions down to, La, to to Loretto down in that, that seventh position that could have yeah. a, real, a real big impact on Irish sides playing next time around in EHL or mo- moving up through the different uh, different formats opening those slots up there was a big win for Amsterdam in the final as well it was 7-0 yeah. which makes you sort of think that Real Sociedad might have played their, their grand final the game before <laughs> they, they look tired I watched the game yeah. after uh, the EHL final on EuroHockeyTV.org and uh, yeah, great coverage again there great to be able to get our eyes on that um, but yeah there was just too much class for Amsterdam at home and it obviously uh, makes up as well for the fact that the, the men didn't make the knockout four. Have no, I said that already? Oh, probably. No Dutch sides making the knockout. Oh, no, did, did, oh really? I don't know if you mentioned that. Uh, it should be noted too that um, some of the English teams were without their um, EHL representatives on the women's side of things and some men did play. Brendan Craig played, didn't he? Yeah, uh, Surbiton, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly plays. how it works with all the different nations and what their, their setups are. So just interesting to note because Surbiton copped a Oh, it did win 7-0 in uh, their second game, but had a 4-0 loss in the first game. Uh, and that, that tournament's only played over to 8, 19, 20, 4 days. Um, four games, essentially, in four days. It's going to take it out for yeah. you. Euro Club Trophy for Women was played in Rochester in England from the 19th through to the 22nd once again. So that second tier? Yep, Club yep. Campo de Madrid. Uh, finished first after beating Honkong in the final, 3-1. It was Waterloo Ducks in third place and UCD Ladies in fourth position. Dynamo Moscom Sport in fifth. Then it was Hockey Club Victoria Smolovecchia. I think I've got Smolovecchi. They were in uh, sixth position. MSC Sumchanka in seventh and Edinburgh University Hockey Club finished in eighth position there. Well done to Holcomb Hockey Club 
superb on Twitter. Every game, yep. everything that happened was just a constant feed coming through from Holcomb. So in the absence of having the, uh, the, the European teams there to do that sort of stuff for you, they did a really, really good job. And uh, obviously, uh, as the hosts, they, uh, they put on a good show. And when I was uh, in the early days of the tournament across the weekend, Thursday, Friday, uh, and I did see quite a lot of it, I was watching a lot, quite a lot of the women's hockey. And one thing that we praised the men about was how tough the competition was and how much it meant to them. And the same thing was going on in the women's too. I mean, it wasn't as if it, it was just another tournament for the girls. They went after it with the same dedication and passion that the men were showing in yeah. that tournament, which uh, was really good. And look, crowds weren't massive there in Amsterdam, uh, but I'm looking forward to the EHL women's competition next year and... and uh, I'm assuming we're going to get some double headers. Did Stephen say they were going to be at separate venues, or are they I, going to be I'm all at the same venue? Not sure. I can't remember. We'll what find out. Yeah, we will find out. One we've got, more we've got Euro, a year to go. There was also the Club Challenge One for women that was played in Lille in France. Uh, Braxgata Hockey Club finished first after beating. Um, oh no, it was a, no finals. I thought they beat someone, but they didn't. It was a round robin tournament. With no finals, as far as I can tell from that, uh, Braxcarta were ranked first. Uh, Lille Hockey Club was all ranked equal first. Uh, in third, equal third place was Rottweiler Swedidden, uh with Clydesdale Weston. Then in equal fifth place, SK Slavia Prague with uh, Jintra Strecht Uni. They were in fifth, and equal seventh is Luzerna and. They were joined by Hockey Club St. Petersburg. So we'll see Braxgarda and Lille. I think they're moving their way up into uh, the next league. The next level. And there is some more Euro hockey coming up as well as far as the club competitions. Uh, the Club Challenge 2 for men will be played from the 6th and the 9th of June in Prague. You've got the Club Challenge 4 for men, which will be played from the 6th and 9th as well. That will be in Malta at Cordin. Uh, Euro Club Trophy for men will be played in Wedigen from the 7th to the 10th of June in Switzerland. We also have the IACO Euro Hockey Club Challenge 1 for men. That's happening from the 7th to the 10th of June. Someplace in Poland. Uh, I've got... Uh, Jan, how do you say that? Siemianowice Śląskie. That's Thank, in, thanks, mate. That's coming up very soon. Um, there's also the Euro Club Challenge 3 for men. Once again, that same 7th to 10th weekend in June. It's in Aliana in Turkey. Uh, there's also the Club Challenge 2 for women. That's happening in Vienna, Austria, the same weekend. And Euro Club Challenge 3 for women. That's happening in Borispil in the Ukraine. So lots of hockey coming up oh, in the off-season for well, a lot of those uh, nations involved. It's all uh, probably the first first week of June. Yeah. From oh, the 6th or 7th on. There's not much hockey happening in June, is it, on the international scene? No, there won't be. Well, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't get, think I'll get to see much of the Euro Club stuff because of the, uh, the very big June that is happening in the Pro League and catch up with everything that is happening in the Pro League on... Totally Pro League. Um, but Euro hockey, plenty more to come up with that. That's, uh, and fantastic competition. I'd love to see more of it. I'd love to see the same style of competition on all the continents and having club hockey going bananas. And then, then finally, we will have the World Club Championships. Yes. Maybe we'll <laughs> even get players paid to play in the World Club Championships. <laughs> Yo, 
people are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. And uh, it's with great pleasure now we're going to be joined by Ben Summerford. He's the media manager, well, media and PR manager at Hockey Australia. Last week uh, we gave our thoughts on Hockey One and uh, what we thought of the concept. And Ben's joining us this week so we can get the uh, Hockey Australia side of things and uh, clear up some of the misconceptions we had about Hockey One as well. Ben, pleasure to have you on the show. No problem. How are you both? We're good, mate. We're good. We're, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day in Perth, as you know, although we're down the line uh, having a chat at the moment. Um, like John just mentioned there, uh, we're pleased to be able to give you the opportunity for a bit of a right, right of reply uh, because we might have got a couple of things a bit skewed last week. So I guess we'll, we'll just start off for those that didn't listen last week or aren't aware of what Hockey One is. Can you give us a bit of a rundown? Bit of a rundown. Yeah, look, uh, obviously it's um, a, a newly revamped league. Um, I suppose there was a big appetite to, to change things uh, with domestic hockey in Australia. You know, fans, players, coaches, administrators alike. Um, there's a real appetite to catch up to the landscape of, of sport in Australia and, and try something different. So that's what it's about. Um, and obviously there's a raft of new things we've brought in place. Um, some things have, have done, been done before, but we're, we're trying to do a fresh approach, I suppose. So, you know, a new concept with the new names and new club identities. The new format, moving back to a home and away league, which gives fans the access to more home games. Um, some new rules, TBC, we'll see what they look like. Uh, but also some new access for fans with all the games streamed um, on KO Sports, which is proving really popular, um, as well as Fox Sports as well with the finals. So a whole bunch of exciting new things, which we think will just make the, the league more attractive for fans, for kids um, to come along and attend. We'll just start from the start with it. You talk about the new clubs there. Can you let listeners know what the, the model is and, uh, and who the new clubs are? New clubs, they're all born out of a member association. So that's your, your state associations. They're the ones behind the branding, the names, the colours. Um, and they've all got their different markets and different reasons for their names and whatnot. Um, so, so that's uh, a big part of it. You've got the Adelaide Fire, Brisbane Blaze, Canberra Chill, Hockey Club Melbourne, which is a mouthful, but I quite like it. It's a bit like Sydney FC in the A-League. Uh, New South Wales Pride, Perth Thunderstakes and Tassie Tigers. Some of the clubs have moved away from their traditional AHL names. Some have stuck to them, but they've all become under the, the same umbrella in terms of their male and female teams, which I think makes a lot of sense for any kids growing up aspiring to play for that team. No, I think it's, a, it's an important thing that we have that dual branding for the male and the female team and it, it, it proves that point that we are an equally amazing sport. And now you mentioned AHL and of course that's the, the state competition uh, which this new hockey one is replacing. Uh, but it's not, mm. not necessarily going to be teams uh, field, fielding exclusively players from that state. Is that right? Just go for that, yeah. And, and the first season we won't have a draft whereby players could go here, there and everywhere and play for different states. Um, but that's something we want to do in the future. Um, but yeah, there, there'll be opportunities for players to play for other teams. And you look at the um, NT doesn't have a team for Hockey One, so there'll be some opportunities for their big players, Brooke Paris or Jeremy Haywood, and we'll see where they end up. Um, and I dare say there might be some player movement as we go. Ben, what about uh, player enumeration? Uh, considering where, if if the model is that players will be moving from place to place, is there a financial model, or will there be a financial model for player payment? 
Long term, the plan is to make it sustainable for players to, to earn a living out of it. In the short term, I think they'll need to, um, similar to AHL, um, you know, it won't be necessarily large payments. Um, you know, in terms of the costs of the league and the clubs and what they're putting up, that's all to cover their travel accommodation. So the players won't be out of pocket per se, um, yeah. but there will be some requirement to take leave from work and whatnot. Um, there's a few challenges to work through, but obviously being the first year of the league, that's always going to be the way. Oh, look, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Whatever model and whatever you decided on, it, it was always going to require hard work and investment over yeah. time as well. I mean, this is not an easy thing to try and put together. Um, do you, how far do, do you see the growth in this? Do you see it just as staying primarily one from each state or do you see there as there being room for adding teams from other states in the future? <laughs> this has come up a few times with a few little media outlets and regional areas asking and look it absolutely would love to expand but we haven't even launched season one yet really so just got to see how we go we want to we want to consolidate it first and foremost and make sure all the seven foundation clubs are sustainable and and healthy but i see no reason why not um, you look at the number of national players from regional areas and it makes a bit of sense to do that long term um, so that would be part of the vision but like i said we need to take it one step at a time um, and the first season really is about consolidation and making it work. And like you're talking about, like, there are challenges, but we've been bold to try something new, and that's really important. I think hockey can get left behind if we don't try something new at the moment. So that's the rationale behind this. And the way it started, there's been a lot of momentum. We've had a lot of coverage and media and um, interest, and, and hopefully that leads to um, some corporate dollar. Um, and also fans will have access to memberships, and um, that creates new revenue streams, which will be really important for domestic hockey. Um, so you mentioned the home and away league. Do we know uh, roughly what, what venues will be hosting the games, where people will be able to go along and see the matches live? Yeah, so your traditional venues in each each city. Um, you know, your, your Perth Hockey Stadiums and your um, State Netball Hockey Centre in Melbourne and whatnot. So that doesn't change too much. Um, the schedule is close to being confirmed. Obviously, you've got to work with broadcast on those kind of details. Um, and there's there's a few other challenges with high performance and and who knows what will happen with the um, Olympic qualifiers. But that's not far from being organised. So, um, yeah, that'll all come through in due course. Now, you're looking at uh, October-November time, so that hopefully means that those involved with local club hockey, they can still be involved before then going and taking part in Hockey One. Yeah, you wouldn't want to have an overlap. I think we had an issue last year with the Darwin tournament and a few players and locally in WA missing the finals, I think it was, or grand finals. Yeah. Um, we, we don't want to have that happening again. So, um, yeah, we, we'd ensure there'd be no overlap. And, and of course, uh, there'd be no training camps in that time as well, nationally, <laughs> I, I suspect. Well, fingers crossed, both our teams qualify direct for the Olympics at, um, at the Oceania Cup in September. If they don't, there'll, there'll be um, qualifiers during uh, the window of the Hockey One. Um, it might be one round, I think, around about round five or round six. So, fingers crossed, they, they both qualify automatically. Um, certainly, the girls have a challenge on their hands with their recent history against New Zealand. Um, so, we'll wait and see on that one. Now, the all-important question, and the one that you know has got our goat a little bit from the uh, from the early tests uh, run late last year on AHL with the new format... What can we expect yeah. by way of rule changes? We've we've seen nines, we've seen mixed games, we've seen the pump play yeah. uh, and field goal conversions. How far are we away from getting a decision on what, if any, rule changes will happen? Yeah, it's, 
it's a question everyone asks about, and it's, it is important. Um, we certainly don't want to take away from the integrity of the contest and what hockey's all about by changing things too radically, but I also want to freshen it up a little bit. Um, so that, that process is, is being done through, worked through with the broadcast. Um, they've certainly got some want to, to make the product a little bit more appealing in certain ways, but we're also aware that sometimes when you try to be more appealing, you can alienate the, those who really, you know, are hard on fans in the first place. So what that will look like is TBC. Um, what we saw at AHL last year was, was interesting and it split opinions <laughs> and there were some strong opinions against a few, few rules. Certainly the pump plays were an interesting one in, in terms of the concept and what that meant for the game and even the conversions. I think it was interesting with the conversions. We, there was an increased scoring, but there was also a few games which just became cricket scores. It was a bit crazy. So um, that needs to be reviewed. Um, I've got my own personal opinion, which probably don't need to express on, on your forum. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think certainly, certainly the idea of having a shootout for every game, that makes sense to me. You look at the golden points in NRL, and that it's great. It creates this excitement at the end of the game where you get something you wouldn't get if it was just a draw. So some of the rule changes make sense to me um, without taking away from the integrity of the contest. Now, I guess because we've had the announcement of the men's and the women's teams, we're not going to be seeing the mixed game in between? Well, a men and female mixed game? Yeah. <laughs> don't give him ideas, yeah. Matt. Just don't give him any ideas. Well, no, we saw that in the AHL trials, though, didn't we? No, we did. Yeah. Across the quarters. We, I did actually get a few calls from media thinking it wasn't mixed competition which had to be cleared up quickly um, but no, no plans for that and alright I'll just do one more, nine aside unlikely now, thank you what I'm hearing you say Ben uh, nothing's decided yet so there's still a chance we can slip the bully in <laughs> we're a chance, I'll be lobbying hard for it oh, thank you, thank Good. you very much I appreciate that, hashtag bring back the bully so where, where can people find out about Hockey One and maybe their local team or a team from far away that they want to support once the competition gets underway? Yeah, so on um, Wednesday's launch last week, we simultaneously activated a whole bunch of social media accounts and our, our own website, so hockeyone.com.au, all in, in words, no, no numbers, um, is the central hub for the, the updates and any information you might have, and FAQs and whatnot. Um, that site will come to life over the next few months with more information and news and videos and whatnot. Um, but for the, I suppose, the updates and, and um, all the interactive stuff, jump on our social media channels. Uh, so H1 League on, on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, as well as all the clubs. They've all got their dedicated pages and um, got consistent titling, so easy enough to find um, whichever club you um, support. And what club are you going to be supporting, Ben? <laughs> no, I've got to be neutral, mate. I can't. I can't have. I can't have one team. I'm a first boy, so naturally I'll, I'll be a Thunder Six fan. But um, I'll be rooting for them all to succeed. He's coming up with all the right answers, isn't he? Well, you mentioned the Thunder Sticks, Ben. Can we can we do something about the iron-on transfer that they're wearing on those shirts? Um, I like I like their uniform. Oh, no. That was one of my favourites. I, I heard you guys say you didn't like it last week. And, I was a big fan. It's nice and simple, um, and I like the logo. I think it's it, it's a real hockey logo. 
in fairness, Ben, it wouldn't matter what designs you'd come up with. There's probably always going to be people. You'll never get everybody liking everything, and it's such a matter. No, you of never will. Yeah, and it's it's a real personal taste thing. But the chalk milk carton. Can we <laughs> can we please have Melbourne? <laughs> Uh, fixture to play games in Perth because I've got a few blokes who want to come down and ha- have a chat to the Melbourne players while they're on the field. I think it's quite a nice. Call yourself the Chalk Milks. That's the all right. Chalk Milks. Yeah. yeah, that's a great branding opportunity. It is. I, I drove past the Masters Factory this morning, yeah. in fact, and I looked over <laughs> and I thought, geez, they could be getting in there for uh, some sponsorship pretty quick. I think a few clubs have lined up the Chalk Chill or the the. Those kind of companies with the Cambridge Hill as well. So, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully, there, hopefully there is opportunities. You know, we, we'd imagine we'll get some sponsors on board, and, and um, you know, it's a good product. I think there's going to be some real interest. Well, we're looking forward to it, and we'll wait into uh, interest with interest to see what happens with the rules, and that we're we're going to get behind it, even if we have our reservations. Well, that's it. Everyone wants hockey to succeed. This is something bold, and um, it's a product which fans haven't had access to really before or at least for a long time, and um, we're trying something new, and I think it's got some leaks to it, so let's make it work. Ben, before we let you go, um, when I talk to people from overseas about hockey, they seem to think that hockey in Australia just um, rolls along and it's a, a well-loved sport and everybody pays attention to what goes on with our hockey teams and hockey players fall off trees here. But can you give some people who... Outside of our country, an idea of how difficult it is for us to actually get any um, cut through with what, if you know what I mean. You know, it's it's you yeah. guys are rowing a really uh, against the stream as far as trying to get the game attention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you look at the sport in Australia; it's such a crowded, competitive uh, landscape. There's so many different sports, and, and AFL, NRL, cricket just dominate, and they will trump any. Media up I might put together for Hockey Australia or um, any story I might be able to put out. So it's, a, it's an ongoing battle. It's got to be super proactive here. Um, and that's just the way it is. It's very hard to penetrate that. Um, we work really hard with our key contacts in terms of media, but there's very few who are dedicated to hockey these days. Um, so there's some real challenges to, to getting hockey out in the mainstream. Um, we're having little wins here and there, um, and even this this hockey one concert. We've had some great mainstream coverage since we launched that, and that's that's the idea to create a product which appeals to the mainstream and and gives us that opportunity to get get people talking um, out in the, the general public because it is it is really hard. Hockey's so cyclical the way interest comes with the Com Games, the Olympic Games, and beyond that we just seem to fade away. So we've got to create more narrative for people people to talk about and engage with and. It's the same kind of concept with the Pro League um, where the weekly narrative means we actually get some more cut through and we've had some really good results in terms of media coverage through that. Um, but there's so much more work to do in terms of building up the profiles of the athletes who are who are superstars, really. Like the, the Kookaburras are working you know, 9 to 5 and coming into training at 6 a.m. before they go to work and you know they're, they're achieving amazing things. They've been number one in the world for a while until last year's World Cup and they go to the Olympic Games next year, hopefully winning gold again so there's some great stories to tell it's just hard to find a platform to do it well look couldn't agree with you more you know we we, we um, bang our heads against the same brick wall <laughs> as, as you do and I think it was uh, exemplified by the fact that we were we were uh, only uh, media representatives at the Pro League here in Perth yeah. uh, Ben it's, it's a great job you're doing there we wish you all the best with it we wish Hockey One all the best and thanks for your time today 
Uh, anytime, guys. Love the platform and, and wanted to just have a chat. So I appreciate you, you having a chat to me. Oh, and thanks for putting us right on Twitter too. We we couldn't understand the six, uh, seven teams, seven rounds, but you explained it's you, seven rounds because someone has a buy every week. So thank you for that's that. That's right. I, I asked the same question when I saw the graphic, but um, yep, great minds think alike, boys. <laughs> thanks, man. Cheers, man. Catch you later. You are listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. That was Ben Summerford. He is the media and PR manager for Hockey Australia here. And, well, we had our little say last week and he got in touch and we got him on to have his say. No, and we appreciate Ben no, getting in touch. We appreciate you listening in the first place, Ben, because that all helps <laughs> on, the, uh, on the numbers. Um, my mum. But, you know, we, we sometimes talk a lot of shit and we get it wrong. And we appreciate when, when when people put us right with it. And so if you are somebody out there who doesn't agree with something that we've said, something we've had an opinion on, maybe we've just totally got the facts wrong, get in touch, put the record straight. Um, it's often because we're uh, assuming uh, certain situations, isn't it? When that's um, is someone behind me? No. no. Oh, just give me a funny look over my I'm shoulder just there. To I thought, you out. Oh, <laughs> it's working. <laughs> but get in touch. Yeah, you don't like what we say. Get in touch. Matt at the reverse stick dot net or John at the reverse stick dot net. Send us an email or get in touch with us on the socials, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at the reverse stick. Um, somebody disagreed with me on Twitter, actually, John, in the week. What did they say? Well. I made a comment about the sartorial elegance, often lacking from you and I, but uh, certainly lacking from a number of the coaches in the EHL. Um, they're on the big stage, the cameras are there, um, everything they're saying in the huddle is being filmed, they're being um, uh, uh, watched peacocking up and down the touchline, shouting advice to their players, getting into the game. And some of them are in there dressed up like they're going to the bloody pub. Or, you know, as soon as the game's finished, I'll, I'll see you down the old dog and duck. Quack, quack. Um, what do you think? Do you think it's important? Somebody disagrees. They're like, it shouldn't matter. It's good. If, if, if it means that they're relaxed and that will follow through to their players, um, what does it matter what they're wearing? I don't know. There's, and if, I think you go one of two ways. You, you go for the kind of the, one of the Spanish coaches, the... Uh, um, Leopold coach, not Leopold coach, the um, uh, Barcelona coach. Nice white shirt, pressed. Okay, he had some jeans on, but at least he'd gone to the effort and run the iron over the shirt. Uh, other, <laughs> other coaches there, um, a club uh, polo shirt. That's fine, you know. That's you know that that looks fine. I could even sort of go towards jeans with that. But when you've got a jeans combo with just a with a branded um, high street retail shirt. Um, or a, you know, quite frankly, you know, some, a couple of the blokes wearing Adidas shirts that look as though they're about ten years old from the bottom of the drawer. Is that if we talk about setting the, the professional standards and EHL prides itself on the professional nature of the competition, um, you can't get away with that in an FIH competition. They recognise for broadcast you can't get away with that. Do you think it's important what the coach looks like? I'm not talking about the physical, the physicals. I'm talking about the way that they presented themselves, dress-wise. Oh, I, I, had a, I had a Morrison flashback then. Um, I, I reckon you should, you should. What you got? Cheap chinos and jacket. I, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if you two secretly want coaches to be in a nice suit with a tie. 
I, I've got a feeling that that's the way you... you I, I'm quite happy for them to just sit in the corner and whatever they like. I think it's either... I think, you know, I really like either full sporting gear, um, so you're, you're wearing all of your club or your nation, national colours, shorts, socks. Um, in fact, you know, even look as though you want to want to get on the field I'm happy with that with a different a different shirt on it's not um, so much or, the look for me it's more the sound uh-huh. well you know the old Chelsea oh, yes. you don't <laughs> want to see you don't want to see any, you don't want to hear those foot that, no turn down wrong. the crowd mic for, for those um, that, oh, well, that, does that, it really that, bother you yes does it? of course it does why would I bring it up anyway <laughs> um, you know just put in a bit of bloody effort boys Okay. Seriously. No, no, I'm, yeah. Look, within the group, it might mean something. Maybe, maybe the the slob is perceived differently than the the person that presses their t-shirts. Yeah, I'm just just saying. Look, and if you're, I, a, I buy print t-shirts so you don't have to press them. Isn't that why you have a t-shirt? If you're a slovenly, sloppy dressed European club side coach and you disagree with what I've said, <laughs> please get in touch. Matt at the reverse stick dot net. Or, what, um, what if you're or, just a slovenly over fifties player or who drop, disagrees with drop you? Drop past your mum's house on the way to the game, eh? You drop past your mum's house. <laughs> you I was are listening. Oh, go on. I was or your dad's house, of course, because yeah. you know, dad's dad's going to iron equally well. Yeah, we've got to get to the real business of this <laughs> week's this Sorry. week's podcast. The real business yep. is the scored. Reverse stick fantasy league. Of course, our mini league. Um, that uh, do you know? I noticed Payat was in the top ten um, on the main competition. Was he? Yeah, incredible. He had his own team. So he obviously picked himself and backed himself all all the way. Well, if you didn't have him, you probably weren't going to win, were you? Nah, nah. Too just too too many uh, too many goals scored there. Now we do have a winner. Now, of course, we've said John uh, there'll be pre-qualifying for it, and you had to be a listener to the show to qualify to win. Now, uh, so I'm going to read out the name of our winner who's finished top of the ladder. Uh, and they have seven days, John, to get in touch with us with an email from the date that the, uh, the show goes out. They've just got to answer two questions, John. Uh, the first question is from a show two weeks ago is what do we like to eat pitch side at hockey stadiums? Well, the key word, wasn't it? That was, that was the hint question. No, that, well, that's the thing that we eat. That, that, that's yeah, fine. That's, yeah. that's number one. Uh, and the second one was our key word that we gave. We, we kind of stuffed it up a little bit in presentation, but we, we, we struggle to remember what goes on from week to week. So, you know, you've got no chance. Um, so there's a key word from last week. So you've got to send an email to matt at the reverse stick dot net and set from seven days from when this podcast is launched. It'll probably be, oh, it might even be later on or maybe 25th, um, of April and qualify that. The winner, John, is Matthias Groschal finishing on 232 points uh, now Matthias if we don't hear from you within seven days there is an automatic default down the ladder uh, to the uh, the second placed person uh, should, we, should we let you know who that is yeah we'll let you know uh, that is of course Oriol Perry Macau with Atletico Antwerpen uh, one of the, uh, the the founders of Scored do you think he qualifies no absolutely um, and then that takes us down cheeky I like it. Yep, that's it. And, and, and well done. And well done. And look, John. If and well I, done for putting on such a great um, competition. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's been fantastic. There's been some great chats, some great extra coverage through the Scored platform. John, are you on Scored.com? Yeah, I am. Well done. Have you uh, connected with me yet? Have I? 
No, yeah, I'm no, pretty yeah. sure I have. Yeah, you didn't even I've put done, a team in this time around, but we no, did I have... I was too busy. I had things that I couldn't escape, and it wasn't... Uh, no, yeah, well, I set my team up early, and then left all of my transfers till the till the last round because I missed one and it was it was a bit hectic so obviously I'd have finished much higher than my uh TRS pro team final position you do have to be fairly dedicated oh, where did I finish to those things 20th oh, which is great I like doing it don't get me wrong it just it wasn't going to work this time around beaten by two points uh into 19th was Tanzi with Tanzanians HC Bring back the bully 86, Scott Ferguson in at 18 above me, and the Hockey World News All-Stars from Jay Bloomfield at 17. Um, oh, bring back the bully 86 were flying early doors as well. Um, so uh, it will then, we'll then default down to our third place, uh, and that would be Matt Cook with Cookies Cowboys. So, Matthias, you've got seven days to email us, um, and uh, if we haven't heard from you, when we put the next show out, we'll say it's open up to Cookie. And you need to send us the same answers. Well, Cookie could be listening now and just preempt the well, whole Well, just thing. do that. Do it anyway. Do, <laughs> do it, it any, anyway. Do it anyway, um, <laughs> Matt Cook. And uh, if you don't get in touch with the next seven... Well, do it everybody in the next seven days. We, yeah, we're making this up as we go along, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, yeah, emails in on the last seven days. And, uh, well, we know Rob Abbott is a listener. He's finished fourth. So, Rob, you email us as well in the next seven days with those... Should we uh, go top five, just in case? Uh, yeah, and... Uh, Johnners, Kevin Johnson, uh, he can't win another prize. He got a stick last time uh, when we did our dream team, our Atlas dream team. Where is he at the moment? Uh, back at home, I believe. Anyway, okay. Crystal Polegate Hockey Club in in fifth position. Uh, so well done for everybody taking part there. Um, yeah, we look forward to receiving those emails. Thank you, Scored, for putting on another great fancy league. And we're looking forward to some plans for some uh, some more leagues coming up. <laughs> listening to the reverse stick the global hockey podcast, podcast. Uh, what have we got to talk about did we say it was episode 92 didn't we yeah I think did we say it 92 uh, 92 so we're only 8 off the 100 now mate we've got uh, we've got to do something we've got to plan something haven't we we, we do yeah I, uh, I uh, went on to hockey live this week because normally I've been watching through KO FIH.live FIH so I went to FIH.live and a, a new pop up comes up yeah. When you when you land on the FIH.live, if you haven't been there for a while, maybe it happens every time, I don't know. It uh, comes up with a, a little... Maybe it's just you. <clears throat> could be. A little form that they ask you to agree to, and it's a general data protection regulation. Yeah. GDPR, we've seen it from a, a yeah, lot of you sites. Get, you get these all the time uh, for cookies, essentially, and tracking and stuff like that. And it comes up and it says, you know, you either agree or with... You agree or you don't agree or whatever. In fact, you either agree to all or you save your preferences. Now, to a... Um, this is on this particular site, on FIH. On the FIH.live. Yeah. Okay, you've got to agree to their cookie policy. Uh, there's an essential one. Uh, essential, analytics, personalisation, advertising and other. I thought the cookie policy was just how many biscuits were available in the office. Uh, no? <laughs> It wouldn't be biscuits. No. No, it'd be cake. Cake, it would be cake, wouldn't it? It'd be cake. Cake. Um, Okay, so it's pretty standard form. You come across these forms all the time. What what got me, though, was some of the um, subtext underneath them. Not subtext, but the the, the explanatory text that was underneath them. Um, And it just struck me that I'm not particularly sure this was written by someone who has law as a primary background. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go on, give us the examples there, John, if you, a, if you haven't caught it at home. 
uh, okay, under the advertising, if you if you want to click on this one, we and some of our third-party partners are using this to improve and personalise ads you see on our platform. Yep, pretty standard. We shouldn't show you the most expensive couch in the world if you've gone five times to a famous Scandinavian furniture shop in the last three weeks and each time you ended up spending more than you should have. I think it's IKEA, they mean. IKEA. Would that yeah. be it? IKEA, call us. May we serve you some credit advice solutions instead? What? Oh, oh, okay. This, yes, this is... Uh this speaks to me as uh, some kind of form of uh, so wackaging, like the crazy text that you get on uh, modern day packaging for smoothies and the like, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Under uh, other. What else? These cookies are used across our platform to ensure we don't harass you with things. Mess- I've got to reread that to get the context right. These cookies are used across our platform to ensure we don't harass you with things, messages, pop-ups from us or third parties that you have already seen or dismissed or hated or loved. I suppose you would be quite pissed if you had said, get the hell out, and then in the next room we would still be standing there looking at you weirdly. No reason for weird looks, hence the other cookies. Get the hell out! What are, what are you doing in here? Get out! <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just loving the way it's explained to me. Uh, um, yeah. <clears throat> Oh, that's the the, the humour. The humour's been found once again. Oh, it's it was there. it was there, and then it disappeared a little bit. Now it's back again. It's uh, it's, um, it's the the weirdest. Do you want to be reading it there thing. though? And there's the thing. You just want to click saying. click something and just move on and get to the content that you want to get to. Um, but it's good we know exactly what they want to use. It. They want to offer me some credit advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait and see how that turns out in the future. Anyway, that's the terms and conditions on. Uh, hockey and you can find F-I-H them if you go, go in with a clean browser uh, and no current cookie trail from the FIH you'll obviously be presented with that yes yeah well thanks very much I hope you like that what else have you got That's my dad's calling I don't know. should we get him on now we'll leave no, him on no, now, everyone. maybe not um, what else have you got there leadership what's happened with Shord well, nothing seems to have... Sorry, well, what's happened with that? Because I don't want it to be about sure necessarily. What's happened to the coach of India for pulling his team off the field? Anybody heard? No, I nothing. I no, I haven't heard nothing, seen nothing. Disappointing. I, I think something should happen. I had a quick check of the uh, press releases and the like from yeah. on, the, on the FIH. Nothing has uh, come from that. Does it fall under their remit? It, it wasn't. I guess it was. It was test match situation. But do we not? Um, if there's a complaint or something to be done about it, does that not have to be raised? by uh, the opponents or the match officials that are there in, in charge of those games. And if they do nothing about it, then the FIH aren't going to do anything about it because that hasn't come through those official channels. Is it not just hearsay I say, otherwise? Well, I would say in a situation like this that it's incumbent upon leaders to lead and the FIH should be at least looking into the situation, finding out what the facts are. And if the facts are as we believe them to be, then they should have a couple of games off and that but to not do anything well it could be that it's it's going to sit in front of a disciplinary committee they've just finished one very recently so they won't be sitting again in any in any great hurry um having said that we've we've heard nothing we've heard nothing from officially about the pakistan they should be coming they've got to just say these things and get them out there rather than letting speculation and conjecture or just hoping it goes away well 18 months two years ago we were talking about transparency being key um, and that's what we wanted to see more of from the FIH. 
um, there, there seems to be uh, transparency across some things and there's, there's been, an, yeah. been some improvement but uh, there's a lot that still stays behind closed doors that remains baffling for uh, the international hockey community and that one shouldn't you know it's not about Sean Marana it's about a coach of an international team dragging his team off the field because he didn't like an umpiring decision. Yeah. yeah. Well, Malaysia probably wouldn't want to complain about it anyway because that has got the potential of damaging teams like India or no, India um, going and playing. Yeah, pl- going and playing games there. Yeah. Anyway, I just think it was a great opportunity lost, and it will probably just drift away. No one will ever say anything about it again until it happens in a major international competition, and then what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They, they need some support, John, and you know what? They need some leadership. We need some support. We don't need leadership. We need support via our no, Patreon. <laughs> Patreon campaign. Uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash, forward slash, forward slash, the reverse stick and get on board to help us deliver our uh, different hockey podcast projects, the Push Past Pundits, Totally Pro League, and, of course, the reverse stick, your weekly hockey podcast um, thank you to all of our current patrons we really appreciate your support and of course if you get on there you can get some extra little goodies we've just recorded something before the show didn't we John which has mm. uh, gone out a uh, nice little uh, uh, commemorative piece uh, but of course you've got to be a patron to have a listen to that um, Ernst Bar, I'm sure he'd love it yeah so he should become a patron he should you? yes of course he should um, yes that's it patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick hand out the hat Buy us a beer. So how much more have we got to get through? What else have you got for this that, week? We're back into me. action this week, yeah, aren't we? That, that's it for me, mate. We've almost got our teams organised for the weekend. Uh, how many phone calls have you had? Oh, no, you're, they all happen after 5pm and on Friday. Yeah, it'll be Friday night when we start to panic and, and I'll still be putting people into teams at 9am uh, Saturday morning. Usually, like, they've had about two, two pints in and go, oh... Oh, I've got to ring Maddie. That's right. I'm not playing this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> is that the sort it's of normal, stuff we're It's normally about? the story, or it's yeah, or it's or it's an email um, which doesn't get checked at 11 o'clock at night, or it's Text a response. Oh, it's just incredible. Um, but look, if you're back in action this weekend, hope you have a good game. And of course, that I know there's summer hockey kicking off in in Northern Europe now, so a bit more relaxed. Doesn't matter how you play the game, whether it's walking hockey, running hockey. Um, any hockey you want get involved let's play hockey see you folks can you imagine Batchy sitting around on a Friday night going oh look I've just got a bloody text from Flinny and he's he's out. He's got his sister's wedding tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, well, I heard Matty Swan's got a cold. Um, that's why he's not going, actually. Oh, uh, really? But at least he let him know a week beforehand that he had a cold. That's good of you. Yeah, yeah. And Eddie, he's not going. Oh, oh well, he's got his brother's 21st, doesn't he? No, I think it's a neighbour's three-year-old's birthday party uh-huh. on the Saturday morning, 11 till, 11 till 12. Oh, he's going to be late. Well, they've got a clown coming.